How good is it to have Pastor DeAndre back? Amen. Uh, we're having some church up in here, and we ain't ashamed of it. Amen. Amen. You need church in these days. We need the church. Jesus said that the church would storm the gates. And, uh, and so, man, so good to be with you. Welcome to church. And uh, if this is your first time, so glad you're joining us. Please make sure that you stop by our new here, start here tent. Uh, we have a little gift bag for you. And we're just so honored that you would join us on your Sunday. If you're logging on uh, for church online today and this is your first time, welcome as well. We'd love to hear from you. So make sure you go ahead and chat in the column. Our online team is ready to chat with you. And if you need prayer as well online, they're willing to pray with you as well and, and chat with you. So glad that you are joining us. And uh, it's good to be with you today. And have got a fun message today. And uh, we'll kind of see where it's going to go and a whole bunch of props going on too. Thank you, my friend. Appreciate you. And... Uh, First, I want to start quick with a, a big thank you. Uh, my parents on the front row, they, uh, they said, hey, son, can you say thank you to the church? Uh, they're heading back uh, on Saturday to South Africa, and they've been here for three months, and, and they have felt so loved and welcomed by Mountain Park, and, uh, and you have won their hearts. And it's so great for parents to leave saying, man, I know my kids are at a great church. And so well done, church. And uh, they love and appreciate you. They're part of our family. And, uh, and so, uh, and how, how great was Pastor Jaime last, last week? Was that fun? Wow, he, he was on fire. And how great was Lauren translating? Oh, my gosh. I said, Lauren, I said, you're a pastor. He's like, don't go there. Like, that's my one-time gig. I said, no. In fact, I said, Lauren, I, I need you next weekend. And he said, what do you mean? I said, I need you to translate for me. People are struggling to understand me at church. And so Lauren's, Lauren's a great guy. Well, this morning we continue in our series, Attitude, It's a Choice. And a few weeks ago, I spoke about an attitude killer, conflict. And Pastor Jaime spoke last week on the attitude of faith. And I saw his sermon notes. He sent them to me. And, and halfway through, he started talking about obedience and Abram and Isaac. And I was like, hang on, that's my message for next week. So I started getting nervous. <laughs> and so Monday, I was, gonna, was doing my daily devotions, and I'm so excited. The Life Journal is coming in four weeks. We're going to talk more about that. I'm so excited to launch that at our church. I was in, in my Life Journal, and, and the Lord gave me a fresh message for this, this morning. And so I'm kind of going to teach and preach combo. We'll see how it goes. It worked in the first service. So I just really believe in the Lord's going to speak today. But I want to talk to you today about attitude killer, number two. And I want to talk to you today about fear. Fear. We live in a time right now where fear is rampant. People are afraid of the economy. People are, people are afraid politically right now. Uh, people are f- afraid when they go to the gas pump. I've never seen people so afraid. But I see people laying hands on gas pumps, you know, just speaking to the gas pumps. I mean, people going to the grocery store, afraid, you know. <laughs> I mean, there's fear everywhere. People are afraid in their marriages right now. People are, af- you know, just not doing well in their marriages. People are afraid for the future of their kids. Uh, fear is everywhere, and, and the reality is in life, we're going to go through times of fear. Jesus said in, Matthew, in John 16, you're gonna, in 33, you're going to go through trials and tribulations, but he said you can have joy in it because I have overcome. But today, I want to look at, at fear from, from two different lenses, and the key passage I have today is found in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1, verse 6 and 7, and you've, you've probably heard this preached many times. Paul is writing to Timothy, and Timothy is kind of a student. He's, he's, the Apostle Paul mentored Timothy, and Timothy is running a church, and, 
And there's, there's tensions in the church and there's conflict and outside the church, there's false teachers and, and all kinds of things. And, and there's this, he, Timothy's a very timid guy and he's wrestling. And Paul writes to him and he says, therefore I remind you in verse six, to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying of my hands. Look at verse seven. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Before we unpack this passage, I wanna begin to talk about where did fear first show up in the Bible? Where did fear first show up? And we have to go to the book of Genesis chapter three and verse eight. And then, and then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God. And if you go study the Hebrew for the word God there, it's Yahweh or creator or sovereign or almighty. They hear the sound of Yahweh, creator, almighty God, as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? And he answered, he said, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and so I hid. And the Lord said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from. Very interesting in this passage is, this is the time where Adam and Eve sinned and the first sin as we read is disobedience. God told them not to eat from the tree of life and what did they do? They listened to, to the serpent and, and they ate, they disobeyed God. And that was the first sin, but what's very interesting to note is that what came next after the sin was fear, because at the revelation of their sin and their disobedience, what did Adam and Eve do? They chose to hide from God, and why did they hide? Because they were afraid. They were afraid. Sin brought a weight on them of guilt and shame, and in the midst of that, they were afraid of God because, you see, they knew who God was. And what did they do? They hid. So I want to start today with this. There are two kinds of fear that the Bible talks about. The first fear is a healthy fear. It's called the fear of the Lord. In fact, Solomon wrote about it in, in Proverbs. He says that the fear of the Lord, and fear is not this unhealthy view of hiding, and no, the fear is the reverence or the awe of God, the majesty, the vastness, the greatness, the sovereignty. The fear is the wonder. It's a beautiful thing, Solomon says, that when we come to this place in life where there's this reverence for who God is and, and we come under God and we, we worship him, that he says that is the beginning, Solomon says, that's the beginning of true wisdom. Yes. True wisdom for humanity is when we come into this place of realizing who God is. You see, fear was at creation because Adam and Eve walked in the fear of the Lord in a healthy way. They walked in, in the presence of God. They spoke to God. They had relationship with God. But when sin came in and disobedience came in, fear was twisted from healthy reverence and awe of who God is to this dread, to the shame and to this guilt. What was healthy now became unhealthy. See, in life, there's two kinds of fear. There's the fear of God, you're in control. God, you are almighty. 
God, you are omnipotent. God, you're omnipresent. God, you're omniscient. You know all things. God, you are sovereign. There's none higher than you. Then there's the fear of guilt and shame that will come in and push us away from God. You see, healthy fear makes you run to God. Unhealthy fear makes you run from God. But this morning, you know what's so beautiful about God? Is that God so loved you and I. That it was not okay that, that we would live in this world of unhealthy fear apart from God. That we'd live in this place of dread and disappointment and be anxious. No, in fact, Jesus says in John 10 verse 10, I came to give you life and life overflowing. And so what did God do with this, with this tension of unhealthy fear and this, this sin problem? God dealt with it. In fact, in Romans uh, chapter 5 verse 18 it says, therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men. Through the, sin of, through the sin of one man, sin condemned all of us, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. You see, through that one sin of disobedience, healthy fear of God, awe and reverence was turned into dread and doubt and, and, and pain and sorrow and shame and hiding from running from God. The Bible says all of us have missed the mark of God. We're, we're all born in sin and brokenness is what Scripture teaches. Why? Because all from one man, Adam, it's been passed on to all of us. And so the reality is that sin condemns. It's very clear, Paul's writing, saying sin condemns. And that condemnation does what? It causes us to step into this realm of unhealthy fear. But one man's act of righteousness, Jesus Christ, he came and what did he do? He took your sin and my sin and, and your sin and he went to the cross because the wages or penalty of sin was death. The word death there means eternal separation from God. But the gift of God was eternal life, restoration through who? Jesus Christ. And we read just Paul saying that sin used to condemn you, but through one man's act, Jesus, this free gift of new life and forgiveness, this gift of grace that was given to you did what? It brought justification into your life. What does this simply mean? Really easy. Is that sin used to condemn me, but now sin, as it wants to condemn me and tell me I'm a bad person, I can stop and simply say this. I have been justified by Jesus Christ. What does that mean? What does justify mean? Pretty simple definition. Justify. Just as if I never sinned. You see, when God looks down at you, my friend, if you're someone who believes in Jesus Christ, that's the good news for today. If you've received his grace and forgiveness, if you've received Jesus Christ as a, your Lord and Savior, it doesn't mean that you're not going to sin and make mistakes. It just means that when, when, when you repent and when you, when you say, God, I need you, and you feel that conviction and you respond to, not condemnation, conviction. You know what's great is when God looks down at you, you know what he sees? He sees the blood of Jesus Christ that took your place on the cross. He says, you're my child. You see, I love that. Sin can't condemn us anymore. For as by one man's disobedience, Adam, many were made sinners. Also, by one man's obedience, many were made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that offense might abound. Listen to this. But where sin abounded, I love this, grace abounded much more. Okay, there should be a clap right there. Let me, let me just read it again, because I don't think you caught that. But where sin abounded, where sin was great, grace abounded much more. Okay, some of you are catching this. 
What is this verse saying to me? It's saying no matter how great the sin in your life, it is never greater. It will never even come close to the power of the grace of God. Grace abounded much more than any sin. You see, because the devil likes to tell you, oh, you know what? You're bad. How could God love you? Grace abounded more than my sin and my shame and mistakes. It doesn't matter how bad you were, my friend, how evil you were, how far from God, no matter how many people you hurt, grace is greater than any sin you've ever done. So as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ. So you say, what's this verse about? Really simple. I want you to understand. In the garden, the act of of disobedience, the first sin did what? It brought in unhealthy fear. So what did God first have to deal with? He had to deal with sin. How did he deal with sin? He sent Jesus Christ, his son down to do what? To take your sin and my sin on the cross. He paid the price so that we might be what? Not condemned, justified, just as if I never sinned. So what does that simply mean for you and I? Is that sin, if you're a believer today, sin has no power over your life. It has no authority over your life. It has no right to condemn you because of what Jesus Christ did for you. But let's take it a step further. Let's go to Romans 8 now, verse 15 to 17. For Paul writes, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to what? Fear. But you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirits that what? We are children of God. See, the Holy Spirit is, is reminding you, you're a child of God. God didn't make no junk. Turn to your neighbor. God didn't make no junk. You're a child of God. And if children, then what? Heirs of God and joint heirs to Christ. Indeed, if we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Galatians 4, 6 says, And because you are sons of God, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Interesting, two passages, Romans 8 and Galatians, saying what? We've received the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, and now we can say, Abba, Father. Interesting. He first in Romans 5 says, no condemnation, justified, just as if you never sinned. Now he says, we're not just stopping with sin not having. He's saying what? I haven't given you a spirit of fear. He says, I've done what? I have restored you to a relationship and you can now call me what? Abba, Father. I like that. If you go and study the word Abba Father in the Bible, you know what Abba Father means? It's like a, in, in the Bible times, it was a Hebrew child that, that the way a Hebrew child would relate to their natural father. Daddy. Daddy. You see, God didn't just remove our sin and forgiveness and just, Jesus didn't just justify us. God now adopted us and said, you're my child and you don't, I'm not some God way out there. I'm Abba Daddy Father. Now let me see, you say, well, what's that got to do with fear? When my five-year-old daughter gets on her bicycle, and, and, you know, and she's not afraid, that kid has zero fear, and she goes 100 hours. I, I remember the time we were in Chicago, and she was three, just learning to ride a bicycle, and she was going so fast, Daddy, look at me, Daddy, look at me, and I'm like, you're going too fast. And guess what happened? She hit a pothole and flew right over. And what did I do? I told you so, you should have listened to me. No, you know what I did? I ran. 
I grabbed her. I picked her up. Are you okay? Are you okay? You know, she's got a little scratch there. I'm like, we got to get her to the hospital. <laughs> Why did I do that? Because I care about my daughter. Now, I know some of you never had healthy father figures or maybe you didn't have a dad in your life. I want to tell you this. Listen to this. As much as I love my five-year-old daughter, Shay, I can never love her more than God loves her. I could never outlove God. And she calls me daddy. But God wants us to come to him and say, daddy. Why? Because in this world, you're going to face fears and trials and tribulations. And that spirit of fear is going to come against you. But yes, the good news today. There's going to be times you're going to fall in sin and do crazy things. You don't have to respond to unhealthy fear. Let me tell you something about unhealthy fear. Unhealthy fear can be a good thing in this sense. Unhealthy fear does what? It reveals the areas of insecurity and self-control in our lives. So when the market goes down, oh my gosh, what am I gonna do? Oh my gosh, it's it's revealing the insecurity and the self-control in my life. And what am I to do? I'm to stop and say, this is unhealthy. I have a God in heaven who is mighty. I have a God in heaven whose name is Jehovah Jireh. Uh, I have a God in heaven who's Jehovah Nisi, my banner. We just sang today about a way maker, a promise keeper, light in the darkest, a miracle worker. Are we just singing songs? Or is this who he really is? See, when, when this unhealthy fear comes and I'm feeling anxious and I'm insecure, I just stop and I can say, you know what? I'm choosing right now. I get to choose which fear will I respond to. Am I going to stay here in this fear and this dread and this hopelessness and this defeat and the anxiety? Or am I going to move into the fear of God saying, God, you've got it. You're a daddy who loves me. You've got this figured out. You were, Jesus, you were in the boat with the disciples and they thought they were gonna die and you calmed the storm. You can calm the storm. I'm choosing to step into the fear, the reverence, the amazement, the awe of God. Abba, Father, you have not given me a spirit of unhealthy fear. See, fear in our lives is to reveal our need of God. Fear should not make us as Adam and Eve when, they, when the unhealthy fear came, they ran from God. Fear should make us run to God. God, I need you. God, I need a breakthrough. God, I don't know how I'm gonna get through this, but I thank you that you carry me in the palm of your hands. The scripture says, every time I cry a tear, you catch it, God. You know the very hairs on my head. David writes that when I'm sleeping, you're watching over me, God. I don't have to be in this place of unhealthy fear. I'm stepping into healthy fear, which is a reverence. God, you're in control. And Paul's writing to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6, and he's saying this. He says, hey, I want to tell you, Timothy, I'm reminding you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. And what is this gift of God? This gift of God that Paul's talking about here is the the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, the presence of God. He's saying, can you just stop right now, Timothy, and and, and you need to stir up the the presence, the Holy Spirit in your life. Now, let me stop there. Uh, He's not saying, Paul's not writing to Timothy saying, come on, you need to pump up the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit's a little tired and weak. So you need to pump up the Holy Spirit. You need to shake the Holy Spirit. Come on, Holy Spirit, I need you right now. He's not saying that. What he's saying, Paul's saying to Timothy is this. You need to stir yourself up because you've forgotten that the presence of God is in your life. You see, this is why Jesus said to his disciples when he was resurrected, it's to your advantage that I go. Why would he say that? 
I mean, he just died and he's resurrected. But I have to go. He said, I have to go, why? Because now I can send my presence, the Holy Spirit. Now I can send the teacher, the comforter, the counselor. The same Holy Spirit that was on me, that was on Jesus, that did the miracles, it's the same Holy Spirit that is now in us as Christians. And you might say, well, I, how can he be in me? How can the Spirit of God, the presence of God be in my life? Really simple, because when Jesus Christ died on the cross and when you said, come into my life and forgive me, you know what he did? He made you a new creation. We spoke about that a couple of weeks ago with Ephesians, that we ought to put on the new creation and put off the old man. We're not trying to fix the old man. We're trying to put on the new creation. And the new creation is what? You now are the temple of the Holy Spirit is what Paul teaches. What does that mean? God doesn't live in a building. He lives in you. See, let me tell you something. When you leave today, we don't lock Jesus in the building. Well, Jesus, we'll see you next Sunday. Well, I'm not sure. Maybe I'm going on vacation, so I'll see you the week after. We don't have a special room for God in this building, like a penthouse suite for him. No, Scripture says that you, believers, if you're someone that believes in Jesus Christ, Paul says, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That means when you leave here today and get in your car and go to Peter Jungle or Jungle Peter, whichever way it is, guess what? Church is going to Jungle Peter or Peter Jungle, whichever way you say it. Wherever you go, the church is going. You are the church. The presence of God is inside of you. you don't, that's why when we step into this reverence of what God has given us, Paul's saying, you, you, Timothy, stop. Stir up the gift inside of you. Don't forget what you have. You have the presence of God in your life. And guess what? It was the grace of God that brought you to that place. It's nothing you did. It's not your works. We're not saved by works. Works are what come from us, what? Receiving this grace and gift. Now, God, I used to be going this way, but metanoia, turning around repentance, now I want to walk in your ways. I want to live for you, God. I am your temple. Your presence is in my life. I don't need to be afraid anymore. I don't need to give in to this fear. When fear comes my way, I'm not going to run away from you. I'm running to you, God. You're in me. Come on, Paul's saying, Timothy, come on. Stir up the gift in you. And he continues and he, verse 7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. He hasn't given us this unhealthy, this condemnation, this guilt, this running from God. No, 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 he hasn't given us that. He says he's given us what? Power and love and a sound mind. See, I, I love this. He's saying, come on, you, you've got the presence of God in you, and you know what you get with that? You are loved. You have power, and you can have a sound mind. You don't have to be stressing out all the time about everything going on in the world. You can be in the peace of God. See, the first thing we've got to stir up is love. That's why I love uh, 1 John Chapter four, verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love does what? Drives out fear. See, some of us have to remind ourselves that God loves me. His love is perfect. He, he called me, he saved me, he pulled me out of the miry clay and he sent his one and only son to die on the cross for me. Why? Because he loves me. The Bible says, before I chose you, you chose me. God chose you before you even chose. He gave his best for you. 
There was only one way to remove this unhealthy fear, was to deal with sin, so there was no condemnation. And the only one that could do that was Jesus. And why did Jesus come? Because God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. But some of us, you know what, we're in this place of unhealthy fear, and, and we just, we're, we're hiding, and it's like, come on, stop hiding. God loves you. He's got it. He didn't just want to get you to come to this place of salvation, of giving your life to him, and then say, well, that's it. Because if that's it, he would have just killed you and got you to heaven. No, he says, no, you're now my church in this world. And you're going to go through seasons where fear will come. But when fear comes, realize, hey, there's some insecurity and self-control. So what am I doing? God, I love you and I know that you love me. So I'm coming back to you. And second thing, he says this. He stir up not just love. Presence of God, I'm loved. He says what? God's given you a spirit of power. Walk in the power of God. We're not meant to do life. We were never creation. We were meant to do life in God, not apart from God. God is not something that's on the side of our life. He's the center of the core of who we are. We live and move and breathe out of him. That was Genesis. Let me ask you, how do you see Jesus? How do you see Jesus? Who is he to you? So you can watch a nice movie about Jesus. You can read the kid's Bible about Jesus and see nice little pictures. You can have people tell you, oh, he's a great man. He's a servant. He was a good guy. Yeah. But let me tell you what the scripture says, who Jesus is. Philippians chapter 2, verse 10 and 11 says this. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven, those on earth, and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of Father. DeAndre just said to us when we were singing, there is no name greater than the name of Jesus. It is the name above every name. Where is Jesus right now? He is seated at the right hand of the Father in the seat of authority, and God the Father said, come sit at my right hand, and I will put every enemy under your feet. So there is no enemy, there is no fear, there is no storm, no trial, no, no temptation, no struggle in life that is greater than the name of Jesus Christ. Every knee. And so when you begin, as DeAndre said, Pastor DeAndre said, confess the name of Jesus over your circumstance. You're not praying a sweet little name, Jesus. You are praying the name above all names over your circumstances. Sometimes you might not have an eloquent prayer. All you gotta say is Jesus. And guess what happens when you say that name by faith? Every knee begins to shake. Fear begins to shake. Disease begins, sickness begins to shake at the name of Jesus. See, some people say, you know, Jesus, he came on a donkey. And they were shouting in Palm Sunday, Hosanna, Hosanna. Look at him, he's on a donkey like a servant. He's such a great servant. But let me tell you something, he's not coming back on a donkey. He's, he's not coming back just with, a, with man's clothing on. He's coming back in Revelation, says this, in Revelation chapter 19, verse 11. Now I saw the heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and in, on his heads were many crowns. He had a name written on that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. 
And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of Almighty God. And he is on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. That is Jesus right there. King of kings and Lord of lords. You see, but you know what unhealthy fear? You see, reverence fear will be like. That's why you were clapping. Reverence and awe about who Jesus is. But unhealthy fear, you know what unhealthy fear does? It makes you run away from Jesus. It makes Jesus small in your life. In fact, some of you are wondering what's in the box. You've been wondering for the last 20 minutes what's in the box. You see, you know what fear does? This is what fear does. Unhealthy fear. Not healthy fear. Not reverence and awe. Unhealthy fear. When you allow that in your life, you know what unhealthy fear does? Makes Jesus small. Unhealthy fear takes your eyes about who Jesus really is. And religion makes nice little bobblehead Jesus. He just says yes all the time. Isn't he cute? No, my friend, Jesus is not a bobblehead. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And fear has to bow its knee to his name. And he hasn't given you a spirit of fear. He's given you a spirit of love because he chose you. And he gave you a spirit of power. You have the same Holy Spirit presence in you that Jesus had. The thing is fear is trying to get you. The enemy doesn't want you to see the reverence and the awe and the majesty of God. See, that's why we pray little prayers. Well, Jesus, I hope you can help me. He died on the cross for you. Hello, that's how much he loves you. God, you're too busy for me. God, the world, there's so many other people that are hurting. Yes, and guess what? He's omnipotent, all-powerful. He can take care of everyone. Quit letting religion and your fear and insecurity make Jesus out to be small. No, every knee. King of kings, Lord of lords. Stir up the gift inside of you. Stir up love, stir up power. And the last one, stir up a sound mind. You've got to stir up a sound mind. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. Casting down all arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. What am I saying to you? Don't give real estate to fear. Don't give real estate to the devil. Because if you're lying on your pillow at night and you're like, I don't know if I'm going to make it. What if I do this? What if I do that? What if I do this? No, 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 no. Take captive those thoughts. No, 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 no. I'm taking captive. I'm, I'm not giving real estate in my mind to, to fear, unhealthy fear, to doubt and to dread, and I'm not going to make it, and death and all this hopelessness. No, 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 no. I'm taking captive those thoughts, and I'm doing what? I'm bringing them to what the Word of God says. What does God say about this right now? He says, I'm an overcomer. He says that he's more than a provider. He says, you'll work all things out for my good, is what the Bible says. And so what am I doing? I'm beginning to shift and say, you know what? I need to stir up inside of me the Holy Spirit. I'm not trying to pump the Holy Spirit up. I'm trying to pump myself up to do what? Get in step with the Holy Spirit and move into the reverence and the awe of God. You've got it. Yes. See, I like when the Roman centurion came to Jesus. 
He said, my servant is ill. Jesus said, do you want me to come to your house? No, 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 no. Just speak a word. Just speak a word. See, he wasn't operating by fear. He was stepping in, you're Jesus. Just speak a word over my situation and my servant would be healed. And Jesus stops and says, I have not seen greater faith. Greater faith. I want to ask you today, because you're going to face times where unhealthy fear will come your way. Can't avoid it. But when it comes your way, don't stay there. Stir up the gift inside of you. I'm loved by God. I've got the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. I've got the word of God guiding my mind. I'm not going to entertain negative thoughts of of doubt. I'm not going to make it. We're going under. This is it. Hopelessness. No, 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 no. God is in control. God, I'm stepping in reverence fear. You got it. You're working it out for me today. You see, you say, well, pastor, how do I, I, I don't deserve all of that. No, you don't. That's why he gave his grace. His grace abounded even more. This morning, there's some of you that have been weighed down by unhealthy fear. There's some of you that want to give up. Some of you, what's the use of following Jesus? What's the use of living in this crazy, messed up world? Let me tell you something. The scripture says it's going to get worse. It's in the Bible. But it also does say in the Bible that we will overcome. It also says that he's coming back to get us. It also says, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. That's what he said. You choose which fear you're going to respond to. But this morning, Hebrews, as we close, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. What's your confession this morning? Who's Jesus? What's your confession? Who's who's this Jesus, Son of God, to you? For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness. We're not serving a Jesus. He doesn't understand when we have these insecurities and these control issues. He understands. But, But it wasn't all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Jesus went through stuff and didn't sin. Let us what? Let us boldly come. Let us come, therefore, come boldly to the throne of what? Grace. That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in the time of need. There's some of you today that you've been camping in this unhealthy fear, this way down, I want to give up. What's the use of being in this marriage? What's the use of trying to move forward financially? What's the use of living in, maybe we should, maybe we should all move to Canada. I don't know. Who's going to be the next president? Who's, who, who should I vote for? This, all this unhealthy fear. No, 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 no. I'm going to move because of the grace, because God loves me and he chose me and he's favor and he wants to do life with me and I can walk in. I'm moving. I'm receiving this grace. And that's why Matthew 5 says, bring all your yokes and burdens and put it on me. Take my yoke and burden. Why? Because I care for you. That's why Philippians 4 says, don't be anxious in anything, but all things through prayer and supplications. Let your thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the, the, the God of peace well, what? He's going to fill your heart. He's going to, the, the peace that surpasses understanding will guard your mind and heart in Christ Jesus. But it starts with grace. God, I need you. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace.
I don't know where you are this morning, but I want to ask you, maybe this morning it's time to step to the throne of his amazing grace.